You are listening to You Were Made For This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made For This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode, number 72, where today we consider what we can learn from a grieving friend. In last week's episode, number 71, How to Help a Grieving Friend, I talked about the shocking news Janet and I received from our missionary friend, Martin, concerning the sudden and unexpected death of his wife and our friend, Suzanne. He gave me permission to share his story, and I talked about ways we can help a grieving friend, even as we ourselves grieve. For today, I want us to reflect upon what we learn in walking together with a friend through his or her grief. You know, what's in it for us? Well, there is much that we can benefit from if we pay attention. For me, It starts with a rather haunting verse about death found in the Old Testament. It's a really unusual verse. So listen in today as I explain. In in fact, this scripture passage will be our relationship quote of the week, which we normally end each episode with. But today we'll put it in at the beginning. It speaks to our relationship with death and what we can learn from it. So here's the verse. It's taken from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 2 to 4, and I will read from the New Living Translation. Here it is. Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies, so the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. Isn't that interesting? In reflecting upon my experience being with Martin, as I've been to see him several times, as he grieves the loss of his wife, I've learned four things that I want to share with you that I think can benefit all of us. The first thing that I learned is that being with a grieving friend is a lot like going on a missions trip. You know, when you go on a missions trip, you are visiting another culture, which is often very jarring because everything is so different. It's so unfamiliar. And death is an unfamiliar territory to most of us as well. It's just not something we encounter every day. When we go on a missions trip, we don't know the language. And in dealing with a grieving friend, We often don't know the language either. We don't know what to say. Mel Lorenz wrote about this in his book, uh, A Chronicle of Grief, that just came out. And uh, one of these days I'm going to have just an episode on that. It's just such an excellent book. And in his book he mentions that one of the things that, that he noticed that really helped him in grieving the death of his 30 year old daughter was when people would say, I have no words. And that phrase, I have no words, just really captures what it's like to be with someone who's grieving when we too are grieving the loss of someone. 
when we go on a missions trip, we, we, we generally feel very unskilled. You know, when we come from our culture to another culture, we were experts uh, in our culture. But when, when we go to another culture, uh, navigating that culture really can make us feel very inadequate and terribly unskilled in the new culture. We just don't know how things work. And the culture of grief is something like that too. Uh, we are novices when it comes to dealing with grief, the grief of another person, because we all grieve differently. We may have lost a loved one too, but it's never in the same way that someone else has lost a loved one. Every grief is different. Every loss is different. Another similarity between going on a missions trip and helping a grieving friend is that returning from a missions trip is usually harder than going in the first place. Because when we return, we have left a part of our heart in that other culture if we did it well, if we did our trip well. And so it is with the aftermath of death when we are helping a grieving friend. You know, after the funeral and when others have moved on with their life, but our friend hasn't. And we see that in our friend, and we grieve for him. We grieve for his grief. So, all that to say that there are really interesting similarities between being with a grieving friend and going on a missions trip. Well, the second lesson that I learned in being with Martin, my grieving friend, is that grief exposes our inadequacies. You know, death is a problem that we just cannot fix. As much as we want to, as much as we want to make the pain go away, we just can't. And if we are fixers in life, it can feel very, very uncomfortable, and we just feel totally inadequate. But in the midst of our inadequacies, the thing that often helps a grieving person more is when we listen more than we talk when we listen more than we talk. But we feel so inadequate in doing so. It seems like we should be doing something more. It seems to us that just listening just falls short. But so often grieving people tell us that that is something that helps them the most. When I went to see Martin recently, he told me this, oh, this, <laughs> this story. He said a friend of his church came up to him and started talking about Suzanne. And um, the friend said to him, well, you know, she's in a better place. Well, Martin responded to him rather kindly. But when he told me the story, he burst into tears and he got a little angry. He and I both talked about, well, of course she's in a better place, but now's, now's not the time to talk about it. Because he and Serena, his daughter, would rather she were there with them that would be the better place for Martin, not in heaven. Because in his mind, he knows that, that our eternal destiny with Jesus truly is a better place. But to remind someone of that truth in the middle of their grief actually makes things worse. I've learned, too, that, that our, our presence is really more important than our words. Another inadequacy that grief exposes is the notion that people grieving may need us more later rather than right away. 
But we move on with our life. We have things we have to take care of. And yet we have a friend who is grieving, who is experiencing loss, and we want to help them. But we just may not be able to have the time. Our other responsibilities may get in the way. Nevertheless, it's important to remember that people may need us more later than immediately following the loss. So that's the second thing that I've learned. Grief exposes our inadequacies. The third thing I've learned in being with Martin during this time of excruciating loss is that God uses different people in different ways to care for a grieving person. Martin told me, for example, the the church he goes to started a meal train where they're providing meals for he and Serena. And he said, "That's that's been so helpful. And God is using those people in that capacity. He told me of another example of people really helping him, how God is using other people to care for Martin. Uh, There's a couple in their church who really felt led by God to uh, minister to Martin's 17-year-old daughter, Serena. And so they are investing a lot of their life in uh, helping Serena move through this. In fact, she is staying with, with them several days a week while Martin is working and caring for his mother-in-law. And they're pouring their life into Serena. What a, what a beautiful thing for uh, a couple to do with uh, a grieving friend's daughter. Another gentleman in their church set up a GoFundMe campaign to help pay for the funeral expenses. Martin told me everything happened so quickly. When Suzanne died, uh, he said, you know, I didn't, I didn't keep track of the finances. I didn't know if we had any money. And so after the, after the funeral, I, I, I wrote a check to the funeral parlor, and I said, um, please don't cash this until Wednesday. I've got to make sure I have money in, in the account. Well, uh, Martin's friend overheard that, and what he did is he wrote a check himself out of his own account to pay for all the expenses. You know, he got reimbursed after the GoFundMe campaign ended, but what a, what a beautiful thing of, of um, generosity to care for a grieving friend. And God used that to minister to Martin. Martin also is involved in a grief support group. And when I saw him just recently, he said there was one quote that really has helped him, and it's this. I wish I could find who said this, but maybe it was just a, a facilitator. But, but here's, here's the quote that really ministered to him, and, and I really like it. He said, grief, stewarded well, invites hope. Don't you love that? Grief, stewarded well, invites hope. The challenge is, how do we steward grief well? So, so lesson number three is God uses people in different ways to care for grieving people. And the fourth thing I've learned from Martin during this whole grief process is that how we have lived will impact people after we die. And this is all about Suzanne. You know, she became an organ donor. She signed up for that. When her body went brain dead and they had to pull the plug and her life stopped, she was able to donate her heart, a pair of lungs, a pair of kidneys, 
and a liver to four different people. What a legacy that is. And beyond that, it was her character and the impact that she left on people. There were so many beautiful tributes written on her memorial page from the funeral parlor. In fact, I'll put a link to it if you're, if you're interested. Because in Suzanne's death, we, we see a picture of the character of God and how she lived and how she related to people. There were students of hers from China, her days in China, when she and Martin were missionaries in China, that were, were just beautiful. There was one from a college roommate that she hadn't seen in years that was stunned like everyone else at Suzanne's death. Um, and they all talked about what a loving person she was. What a loving person she was. And it took a fair amount of effort for people to write these things. You know, a lot of people don't like writing, and they can talk, but they have difficulty writing. But here were people that took the time to pay a tribute to Suzanne. And they all talked about her smile. That's something that Janet and I remember, too. Just a smile that would uh, light up a room. And she was always interested in other people. So in reading about the impact that Suzanne had on, on so many people throughout her life, it's a real challenge for, uh, for us to think about that as well. What impact are we leaving on the life of other people? And we tend to reflect on that at times of death. So there you have it, the four things that I've learned by being with a grieving friend, four things that I have benefited from. One is being with a grieving friend is like being on a missions trip and all that that entails. Secondly, grief exposes our inadequacies. Thirdly, God uses different people in different ways to care for grieving people. And then finally, number four, how we have lived will impact people after we die. Well, if you forget everything else, here's the one thing that I hope you remember from today's episode. It's this. Joining a friend in their grief teaches us valuable lessons about life. Well, what can you do in response to today's show? As Ecclesiastes 7.4 advises, be a wise person and think a lot about death. Think a lot about death. For when we do, it guides us in how we should live. Think about what we value, knowing that someday we will die. Think about what we want people to remember about us, knowing someday we will die. Think about how we should live now, knowing that someday we won't be alive. And especially think about our relationship with God and His Son, Jesus. What is the quality of our relationship with Him? What is the quality of our life now based on how God wants us to live and how He wants us to relate to Jesus? And then, ask God to show us what we need to change in our life now before it's too late. As always, another thing you can do is to let me and your fellow listeners know what resonated with you about today's episode. You can share your thoughts in the leave a reply box in the bottom of the show notes, or you can send them to me in an email to john at caringforothers.org. I'd love to hear from you. Well, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to reflect upon your own mortality 
so that you will find the joy that God intends for you through your relationships before it's too late. Because after all, you were made for this. And now once again, our relationship quote of the week, taken from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 2 to 4. Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies. So the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. Well, that's all for today. See you next week. Goodbye for now.